Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. As I'm learning about health, I'm learning it's key what you put in your body. And trying to learn new recipes, things that uh, are healthy, and every detail is important. And with a recipe, uh, it requires ingredients. And so today, I want to give you a recipe that I found in Revelation to teach you how to be an overcomer. I want to put three ingredients in your hand that are going to show you how to be an overcomer. And Revelation, as we've been in this series, Famous Last Words, we've been challenged to find the invitation. We're not digging so much into the eschatology and how it's all going to play out, but how is it applicable now? Where do we see Jesus in this and how do we reveal it through our lives now? And I have found a recipe that many of us have declared and, and have spoken, but it is so applicable to today. We need hope, amen? We need the good news, amen? And people need to know that they are overcomers. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Through Christ, we can do all things. With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We should be challenged today. We should be convicted today. But if we don't give you hope, you have no fuel to run your race. Can I get an amen? So eight times in Revelation, it talks about to him that overcometh or overcomes. The blessings that come after you've overcome. Or to him that overcometh depending on the F, the King James, overcomes or overcometh, right? So eight times in Revelation 2, 7, it says, to the one who is victorious or to the one who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the parad paradise of God. Revelation 2, 11, to the one who overcomes or to the one who is victorious, they will not be hurt at all by the second death. Anybody thankful for that promise? Revelation 2.17, to the one who is victorious or to the one who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I can't wait to try manna. I'm really curious. Manna literally is defined as, what is this? But I can't wait to try it. He says, I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it. Come on. Known only to the one who receives it. Man, what is that new name going to be? I'm excited about that. Revelation 2.26. To the one. <clears throat> sorry, puberty hit me yesterday. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Anybody thankful for that promise? Revelation 3.5. To the one who is victorious, I... I will be, they will be like me, dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. 
Man, anybody thankful for that promise? There's some good promises in Revelation. Revelation 3.12, to the one who overcomes, who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Revelation 3.21, write these down if you can. Revelation 3.21, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Anybody excited about sitting on the throne? All four of you. Revelation 21.7, those who are victorious, those who overcome, will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate the promises of God? Man, thank you, Lord, for your promises. So these all tell us what happens when we overcome. To him who overcometh, to him who is victorious. But how do we overcome? How do we get to these promises? Well, there's an invitation in Revelation chapter 12. And I'm going to start at verse 7. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. Verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil... Or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before God, Day and night has been hurled down. Can I get an amen? Verse 11. And they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Woo-wee! The devil knows. Look at somebody say, the devil knows that his time is short. So as we look at this scripture, and we see in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they overcame and they overcame him. They being the martyrs. They being the believers. And what does that say to us? We are they. We are they. We are them. We are the believers. And they overcame him. Who is him? The dragon. The serpent. The devil. Satan. So we see here in the scripture, if we are the believers and we can overcome him, how do we do it? By the blood of the lamb, 
and the word of our testimony, and we do not love our lives unto death. So three practical keys. If you need to overcome today, we all need to overcome. There's a race we're running till we're called to heaven, right? But some of you need to overcome today. You need to overcome in your finances. You need to overcome in your marriage. You need to overcome in your relationship. You need to overcome in your body. You are struggling today, and you need to overcome. There are three things you can do to charge your atmosphere that will get you to these promises, to these plans that God has for you. Number one, the key ingredient to the recipe of an overcomer is this, the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. Can I get an amen? I, I thought y'all would get more excited about that. Listen, bottom line, you need Jesus. You cannot do this without Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. He is the lamb. But he's not just the lamb. He is the lamb who was slain for us. He is our lamb. He is our sacrifice, the blood of the lamb. The lamb is Jesus. The blood represents his sacrifice. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to be reminded, Jesus loves you. And he loves you so much that he came from his throne to the earth. Can I give you the gospel for a few minutes? And then he lived a perfect life. And at about 30, he stepped into his ministry. And at 33 and a half, he gave his life to death. Not just death, but death on a cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Come on, somebody. And he came back with the keys of death, hell, and grave victorious and trained the disciples and said, go and wait, and I am sending you an advocate. And 50 days later from Passover, on the day of Pentecost, suddenly a sound from heaven came and filled the room where 120 were waiting on the promise of God. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church was birthed. Anybody thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? It all comes back to the gospel. Everything revolves around the gospel. He is the center. He is the beginning of this recipe, the blood of the lamb. The blood represents the sacrifice for us, and the lamb represents Jesus. He is our access. He is our bridge. He is our victory. It all starts with death, but not just any death, death on a cross. The simple scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Y'all just think because you learned it in Sunday school, it's not important. It's probably one of the most important scriptures in the word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your kindness. I don't know about you, but you need to understand there's still power in the blood. Woo-wee! There is power, power, wonder-working power 
in the blood of the Lamb. Come on, y'all know that song. And when you start stomping and clacking, there is power, power. Y'all know. In the precious blood of the Lamb. It is our ransom, amen? It's the payment for our sins. It redeems us, frees us, saves us, protects us, heals us, covers us, purifies, washes, washes us white as snow. The blood of Jesus justifies. The blood of the Lamb gives me power, gives me life. No more accusation, no more condemnation. Takes me from orphan to son, from orphan to daughter. I can proclaim total victory because of the blood and boldly enter the holy of holy. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. I need about 20 people to stand up on your feet and celebrate the blood of Jesus today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. Give somebody a high five and say, the blood of the lamb. You want to overcome? You need the blood of the lamb. The second recipe is what? And, somebody say and. and. The word of our testimony. You need a word. And you've got one. It's your testimony. The word of your testimony. The word word in the Greek translates as the word lego. Somebody say lego. Which means to say, to speak out, to command, to proclaim. It is an actual, audible sound. They overcame by the word of their testimony. Somebody say, speak up. Say something, but not just any something. Say your testimony. Has Jesus saved you? Has he freed you? Has he healed you? Has he sustained you? You got to take time to remember because we get in our stuff and we get spiritual amnesia. We get so bogged down with anxiety and depression and, and fear and doubt. That's why the scripture tells us, let me see if I can find the exact, I'll get it for you later. I thought I had it in my notes. Oh, Philippians 4. Philippians 4. It talks about be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is pure, noble, praiseworthy, excellent, just, and the list goes on, think on these things. But your thoughts, your thoughts are directed by your declaration. Your words will determine your thoughts. And some of us have been too quiet. We start hearing negativity and we are taking it in and we're watching the news and we're scrolling through Facebook or we're around negative people constantly and we don't speak up. We have an opportunity to be thermostats versus thermometers. We're not just called to tell the temperature. We're called to set the temperature. And we do that with our declaration. When you speak up, when you speak up, your thoughts will follow. Let me show you something. In your mind right now, in your mind, without speaking, in your mind, count to ten. You there? 
Now I want you to do that again. In your mind, count to ten. But at the same time, say your name over and over. Say Jesus. Say his name over and over. Ready? Count to ten in your mind, but say Jesus out loud over and over. Go. What's going on in your head right now? Jesus. 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 Or where there's a space, you're like, Jesus. One. Jesus. Two. Your declaration starts to push back against your thought process. And we're just waiting for you to step into your place as an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony. Our testimony. Y'all, I have had one of the most busiest weeks but one of the most amazing weeks. Every conversation I had this week was full of testimony. How many know negativity is contagious? But do you know that faith is contagious as well? Me and Daryl, one of our elders, I love him. We were having coffee and we just started talking. And he started telling me about, they said he had prostate cancer. And he went in, they were like, it's definitely prostate cancer. We're just going to run some tests and see what we need to do. He goes in to get a scan and an audible voice says, you don't have cancer. And the doctor came back and said, I don't know what happened, but you don't have cancer. <laughs> Daryl, I felt goosebumps go up my back. The atmosphere at Filtered Coffee changed. We were sitting there just talking, but when he put his testimony into the atmosphere, something charged the atmosphere. Listen, Wednesday night when we were together... Talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we begin to share our testimonies of how we got filled. I shared one time how uh, I had this amazing encounter where I just got super filled. You know, I got filled when I was five with the Holy Spirit. And then every day is an infilling. But there was this particular moment when I was 19 that I got an extra filling. And I remember me and some guys were uh, praying uh, in a dorm room. And we started doing a Jericho march. <laughs> In the dorm room. And when we stopped, we held hands and lightning hit me. It hit me so hard, I went, Woo! And I couldn't contain it. I ran out of the dorm room and up and down the halls of Atkins Ellis dorm for about 30 minutes because there was such an electricity, a power of God inside of me. And from that point, my life has never been the same. I started talking to my friend I'm, many times when I'm in the car line waiting to get the kids. I, I just catch up with people, and I take that moment to reach out to people. And I was talking to my friend Brandon, who's a worship pastor in Maryland. I was just catching up. He said, man, pray for me. We're going to pastor a church in Alaska. I've got six kids, but the Lord has told me to go. And I'm not, I don't know how we're going to pay for anything, but the Lord has told me to go. And, it, and, and I'm like, well, man, you know God speaks. He's like, I do. He said, I was just thinking about this week, how a few years ago we didn't have enough money to get groceries for me and my six kids. But God told me to go to the grocery store anyway. And he went out to go to his car. And before he could get to his car, somebody pulled up and said, God just told me to take you to the grocery store and buy your groceries. They didn't know how they were going to get groceries. He just heard the voice of the Lord, and he took a step of faith, right? And he goes to the grocery store, and he, 
He's picking things out. He's trying to be frugal and not take advantage of the blessing. And the guy's like, are you an idiot? You got six kids. Fill this card up. Let's get another one. So he starts pouring things in. He goes up to check out. The bill is $500. He said, the Lord told me to bring $510. He knew exactly what your need was going to be. He said, if the same voice that spoke to me and told me to go get groceries is the same voice that's telling me to go to Alaska, then he's going to provide everything I need. Man, I felt goosebumps go up my back. I was like, you are Jehovah. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the one who provides. It doesn't matter what you felt or what you were carrying up to that moment. When you start to prophesy or testify, you prophesy. And you create an atmosphere for God to do it again. I love this scripture here, Revelation 19.10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We've heard it sing, that thing he did for another, he'll do it again. Thing, you know, when we do that, get up, get up, get up. And so when we testify of the things God did for us, we're essentially prophesying for God to do it again. The word testimony is really, do it again, Lord. You say, I'm not a prophet. I don't know how to prophesy. Yes, you do. Just testify. Testify of the goodness of Jesus. And you create an atmosphere for God to do it again. Not just in your situation, but in your friend's situation, in your office situation, in whatever situation. Prophesy. How do I prophesy? You testify. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So declare the goodness of God. When we sing these songs, when we... Go back and read these scriptures and rehearse the blessings. We are creating a prophetic atmosphere for God to do it again. I, I, I just got to be, I got to be uh, honest. And I just want to, I just kind of want to share a few testimonies. Can I just share a few more testimonies? I don't know what you're believing God for, but I just declare as I share a few of these testimonies, we're going to create a prophetic atmosphere for God to do it again. I've been so blessed this week. Man, I just spent time. I called my dad last night. I was like, Dad, let's just tell me some testimonies. My dad's been in the faith forever. I started traveling with him when I was three years old. He was a state evangelist, pastor, missionary. He's done it all, and he's still pastoring today. I said, Dad, just, let's just talk about the goodness of God. He said, son, do you remember when you were born? I said, nope. <laughs> in 1979, I was born in Hamilton, Ohio. And about a month after I was born, my mom went to pay the hospital bill. And when she, somebody's got a cold over there. <laughs> He's testifying. <laughs> she went to go pay a payment on the hospital bill. And when she went to pay the payment, the lady said, ma'am, I, I, somebody came, a gentleman came earlier today, right before you came, and paid off your whole bill. 
She said, well, who was it? She's like, I don't know, but he paid everything off in cash. And she called my dad and said, Danny, did you tell anybody? Do you know anything about this? He said, the only people that knew was your mom and my mom, and they're not men last time I checked. So then she, she's going to take that money and go to the furniture store and put some money down on some furniture they bought. She goes, drives from there to the furniture store, and the lady there says, ma'am, somebody, some gentleman just came in and paid off your furniture. My dad said, I still don't know who did that, but I believe an angel paid off our bills that day. Come on, how would you celebrate if an angel paid off your hospital bill or, or your furniture? I know y'all been to rooms to go and no financing. You're trying to get that payment in. <laughs> I started traveling with my dad when I was three. This was when I was about four in 1983. We were in Detroit. Dad was preaching a revival in Detroit. And it was a rougher area of Detroit. And I'm, service is done and I'm running around the altars. <laughs> it's amazing what kind of atmospheres. Just get your kids to church, guys. Get your kids to church, even at a young age. There even things I wasn't aware of at the moment were happening in the room. And and I was only three or four running around in the altars. And Pastor Mitch Maloney and my dad were in the altars praying for someone, uh, people and services kind of letting out. And this woman crashes through the back doors. And she's like, help me, help me, pray for me. And she's holding her baby, her toddler, who's lifeless. And her baby had just drank bleach. Stopped breathing, turned blue. And she decided in that moment, before I go to the hospital, I'm going to church. And she ran to the altar. And they laid hands on that child. And the color in her face returned. And the baby came back to life, came back to life. We celebrated, and then dad looked at her and said, now take her to the hospital. <laughs> Get her checked out. What would you do if someone came through that back room with a lifeless child, and we prayed, and we saw life come back? How would you respond? I don't know if you've got sickness in your body, but the same God that touched that little girl can touch your life as well. I love this one. In 1985, I was six years old. Dad was doing a revival in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. And this is when I started playing drums. I started playing drums when I was little, but really started playing with my dad. He would sing and preach at these churches he would go to. And I'd get on the drums and play. And we were in a week-long revival with uh, Sister and Pastor Solomon. It wasn't a big church. It was an older church, maybe 12 pews all together. You know the red carpet. Y'all know those old-school churches. And this one lady all week long, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night, she would come down to the altars, 23 years old, and would pray for her husband who was in jail that he could somehow get to the revival and get saved. She'd pray every night, every night, every night. Well, Friday night comes, and there's a torrential downpour. Dad's like, I remember it 
I was like, I remember it too because I was afraid. <laughs> he was like, but I remember because I was wearing a gray suit and I just ended up taking my jacket off. He said, well, we preached and people got saved and it was an amazing service. And during the altar call, it's still storming, still raining. There was a clap of thunder and literally the back doors opened wide open and the whole room just stopped. And outside of this door was this gentleman with no shoes on, blue jeans and a white shirt, drenched with water. And my dad's like, oh, crap. Is this guy coming in to start a fight? Is he drunk? I don't know about you, but we've been to some church services where people come in and they start some things. Anybody ever been in any of those? And this guy just starts coming down the altar. And my dad's looking at him like, all right, here we go. I don't know where to lay hands on him or lay hands on him, right? And as the church realizes who he is, they start shouting. And he walks over to that young lady who prayed in the same position every night in the altar and taps her on the shoulder. And she turns around and she starts shouting, it's her husband. He had walked in the rain barefoot eight miles from the jail to the church, dropped to his knees, and gave his heart to the Lord. Come on now, can we do a little bit better than that? Anybody praying for some lost sons, for some lost daughters, for lost mothers, lost fathers? Anybody ready for the prodigals to come home? Guys, I, I could keep going. I'll give you one more. Two more. 1986. I remember this one. Dad was pastoring a church. We were meeting in a school. And uh, Brother Green, Brother Green was uh, one of our ushers. And uh, he'd always get on to me because I was always running around. And give me a little boy. Stop running. He'd get me every time. And at the end of one service, he stood up and said, I'd like to request prayer for my daughter. Her name was Kim. And so Dad went up to Brother Green after and said, hey, I know we prayed for your daughter. What are we praying for? And he's like, she has AIDS. And, uh, you know, in 86, AIDS was like, I mean, it was breaking out. Everybody was scared, and nobody knew how to handle it. And so Dad was like, well, I'm going to go pray for her. I love that about my dad. So he goes up to the hospital, and all the nurses, they're afraid to even go in the room. They would literally put the food on a cart and scoot it in a room because they were so afraid of getting AIDS. They don't have the education we have today. They just knew people were getting this and dying left and right. The doctors would barely even go in. So dad goes up and he's like, I'm going in. <laughs> and you got to know my dad. He's 6'6 and he wears his pants like, oh. <laughs> so when he goes in, he goes in, right? <laughs> hey, partner. I mean, he's coming in. And so what does dad do? He goes up, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm your dad's friend. How can we pray for you? And she's like, well, I have AIDS. They say I'm going to die. They don't know how to treat it. He's like, well, first, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And she's like, no. He's like, well, do you want to pray that prayer? She says, yes. So dad's like, so I grabbed her hand. 
doctors were like, what is he doing? He grabs her hand, leads her in the prayer. And she's, she prays the prayer, and dad's like, do you believe you're saved? And she said, yes. He's like, now we're going to use the same faith to believe for your healing. And he said, I didn't shout or I just prayed a simple prayer. And I said, God, you are a healer, and you're going to heal her body. Two weeks later, they took her off all of her medicine. Two weeks after that, they sent her home. A year later, they test her. Not a sign of AIDS ever existing in her body. Our God heals people with AIDS and HIV. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you start hearing stuff like this, you're like, let's go to the hospital. Pull your pants up like my dad. And who needs prayer today? <laughs> Are y'all being encouraged? Do you feel how the atmosphere is shifting? But you're going to go home and watch the news for 30 minutes and scroll, scroll, scroll. Turn off the news and turn up your testimony, right? Call somebody and say, let's talk about this. All right, I got one more for you. I love this one. This was probably, they're all my favorite, but this was my favorite of the favorites. Now, this, this story started in 1982, but it finalized in 1996. So in 1982, um, I don't think I was with my dad at this revival. My dad was doing a revival in Columbus. And then literally in the middle of his sermon, he's preaching. And he's like, John, the conviction came on me. And I felt like I need what I'm preaching. So my dad says, I have to apologize. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is upon me. So I'm going to get in the altar. And I need what I'm preaching. And if you need it, come down with me. And so they just had this nuclear time in the altar. It was amazing. And dad would do revivals. And as he's doing revivals, he's raising money to do more revivals. So he was trying to raise money to do a revival in Baltimore. And he, at that time, he's written songs, done recordings. He was selling cassettes. Anybody know what a cassette is? Some of you kids are like, what's a cassette? Uh, they're awesome. You need a pencil, you know, to kind of rewind it, you know, and. But my dad was selling cassettes, and he said, hey, I've got cassettes for sale. We're raising money for a revival. Man, I love the. I just feel such a presence of the Lord right now. This is so good. So he's like, I'm just raising money. Give whatever you want. Take a cassette home. And so this gentleman comes back. He is the Sunday school superintendent. Y'all remember Sunday school? Anybody know Sunday school? He was the Sunday school superintendent of the church, and he gives my dad a check. He said, I'm sowing this in faith. Um because I'm praying for my son who's lost. He's not saved. He's away from the Lord. And I just, I'm believing. So dad hands him a cassette, takes the check, grabs the man's hand, prays for his son, and they move on. 83, 84, 85, 99, 1996. 14 years later, my dad and I drive from Virginia, where we were living at the time, to Nashville. Dad's leading worship at a Promise Keepers rally there at the Coliseum in Nashville. I was playing drums with them. Beautiful service, incredible service. Many men give their heart to the Lord. And we're tearing down, and here comes this older gentleman up to my dad. And as soon as my dad sees him, he remembers that it's this gentleman who gave him a check. Which, by the way, the check was for $500. 
1982 $500, right? Not 2021 500 1982. Come on. He was believing in faith. 1996, he comes up, and Dad's like, are you? And he says, yes, I am. And he said, I want you to meet my son. And he pulls his son up. And he's like, my son gave his heart to the Lord, and now he is the Sunday super school intendant at the church where I was the Sunday school superintendent. So he got to meet his son who gave his heart to the Lord. But wait. But he says, I also want you to meet my grandson who got saved tonight at the rally and introduces him to my dad. So not only did he see his son saved, but we got to see that night his grandson saved. Come on, can we celebrate the goodness of God? You can come on up to the keys. I, I put all that out there just to create a the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we have an opportunity in our struggles, in our sickness, in our despair, in our doubts, in our fears, to remember. Remember. Forget not all of his benefits, but remember. He heals all our diseases. He saves us from all our sins. Listen, remember. Rehearse the miracles. Rehearse the blessings. If you're looking for healing, start talking about how God has done it before. Start reading about how God did it there. And read it. Out. It's the word. It's the sound. It's what you speak. It's what you say. The atmosphere is waiting. Atmospheres are waiting to be charged with your testimony. The testimony of Jesus in your life. Now listen, a lot of times we'll say, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But we miss the third part. I love in the, in the King James, that scripture, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And there's a third part. Yes. And they loved not their lives unto death. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and not loving your life unto death. We are called to die. We live to die. We live to give. We live to pour out. There are countries where people have guns held to their head, knives held to their throat, sacrificing everything to give their life for Christ. And we in this country have a freedom. But why aren't we serving? Why aren't we feeding the homeless? Why aren't we reaching out and helping others? Why aren't we tithing? Why aren't we giving? Why aren't we giving of ourselves? Do we love our lives too much? Are we seeking to be served or are we seeking to serve? How can you give away your life today? It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your money. It's going to cost you your effort, your titles. Jocelyn led worship all over the country, and she's back there changing diapers. She's overcoming. 
It's not about what you've done. It's about what is the need of who's around you and who's near you. I love that you're called to this, but this is the need. I love that you've done this, but this is the need. You are surrounded by orphans, surrounded by broken, surrounded by sick. And they did not love their lives even unto death. I will give it all for you. I will pour it all out for you. Some of us, blood of the lamb. Some of us, word of our testimony. But you've only got two-thirds of your recipe. You need the whole cup. Blood of the lamb. The word of your testimony. And not loving your lives, even unto death. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to sacrifice? I can't help but continually look at the life of Jesus. Philippians 2, 6 through 11, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's, I'm called to this, but this is the need. Jesus was the king. He was called to the throne. But there is a need on earth. There is a vast, there is a brokenness, there is a disconnection. But I'm God, but there is a need. He did not consider his calling, his sonship, his throne, something to be taken advantage of, but he saw a need. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. If you are serving and it's easy, then you're not serving. I just, I have to put it out there. Serving is not just when it's easy, but it's also when it's hard. It will cost you something. It will have to have a value. And in order for have a, an extreme value, it has to have a sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying you can't love to serve and love to pour yourself out and love to give it away, but it has to cost you something. Can I get an Amen. He gave everything. He humbled himself. The king of kings humbled himself. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Service is obedience. Being do, doing what you're being asked to do by the need around you and by the people around you. He was obedient to what? To death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Woo-wee! Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What are you willing to give away today? I want to be honest with you. We have needs here at 12. We need children's workers. We can't even offer nursery yet. 
because that, we don't have enough people. And I want to fill these seats, but if these people come and have babies, we have no one to meet that need. And I'll be honest with you, that is a need. Can I just be honest with, that, with you as executive pastor? I love that you're called to pray. I love that you're called to sing. But the need is we need children's workers. We also need people to help with set up and tear down. We've got a small core of guys that are getting here at 645, and they're doing great, and they're doing it with joy. I'm so proud of them. But they're getting exhausted. We can't do this alone. We need greeters. We need ushers. We do need prayer team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, we need prayer, but you can pray and shake hands. You can pray and change a diaper. You can pray and set up a speaker, right? We have a need. Maybe I'm stepping on some toes, but put them out there, and I'm going to put my heel on them because I feel the Holy Spirit. Your executive pastor, my wife was gone. I'm, I'm not floating my boat, but listen, my wife was gone all week. I had three kids. Y'all, I've never appreciated my wife more than ever. And our pastors were gone. And our youth pastors were gone. We had birthday parties and football games and homework and homeschool. And, and I forgot I was on the schedule to set up all the flags and banners. So I got here at 730 and I set up every flag and banner. You see, except for the few flags that my boy Daniel said, pastor's over there doing this. We need to help him. He jumped in. Listen, I'm willing to meet the need. Will you meet the need with me? Can we do this together? Ouch! Connect classes in a few weeks. And you can sign up in a few weeks and help us. We need help, right, Steve? But not only that, outside of this church, how can you meet the needs? Share your testimony. Not just, you know, we just see people homeless. Oh, let's just help them. But there are broken people you sit next to every day at your job, and you don't give them anything. You've got all this bread. You've got all of this joy. Give them some joy. Give them some bread. Give them some hope. There are needs all around us. How are we giving ourselves away? We're about to build a building. Do your best. We do it together. If your best is $100, then that's your best. If your best is $1,000, listen, every sacrifice is important. Every testimony is important. Even with our testimonies, listen, we say, oh, I don't have a testimony. You have a testimony. We, we, we see somebody who, who maybe were strung out on drugs and almost did this and was involved in this and, oh, they got a testimony. You have a testimony. If there's anything the enemy would want to do, he would want to silence your testimony because your testimony doesn't master their testimony. But if Jesus did it for them, he'll do it for you. And if he did it for you, he'll do it for them. How do you want to overcome today? You got to have Jesus. You got to have his blood. You got to have his redemption, his salvation. You have to have a word. You have to testify. Where's your testimony? And that's what we're going to do to close out today, I think. And then Steve and Lisa are going to come up. I want us to take time today to get in groups of two or three and testify. To share our story. To encourage someone in your circle. We're going to take a few moments for you to um, say what you're praying for. And before you pray, I want each person to share a testimony. I want you to really dig to remember 
and declare what God has done and create a prophetic atmosphere for God to do it again. But then when you leave here, you've got to sacrifice your life. We're not at a point, we may be one day where they will hold guns to our head, knives to our throat, and say, do you deny Jesus? I believe everyone in this room will stand strong. But I'm asking you today, we've got needs at dwell. We've got needs in the earth. I'm let Holy Spirit lead you. If you want to help meet those needs here, then come see Steve or myself or one of the leadership. We want to get you plugged in. But as you leave here, let Holy Spirit lead you to your waiters, to your waitresses, to your bosses, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. Oh, I don't want to go talk to the neighbors today. Listen, flashlights have no purpose in a room that's well lit. Flashlights have total purpose in complete darkness. We are in the world, but not of the world. Be not conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It also goes on to say, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's going to cost you something. If you want it to have value, it has to have sacrifice. Can I get an amen? Isn't this good? I love getting convicted. That means I get to change. Can I get an amen? Lord, you're giving me an opportunity to fix this, and I can fix this? Yes. We can do better. How do you overcome? Blood of the Lamb, word of your testimony, and not loving your lives even until death. That is the recipe for an overcomer. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.